There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness. Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order. Right. Welcome back to the Dark Delight Show. My name is Josh here with Jim Price, the one, the only Jim Price. How are we all doing today? Doing good today, guys. Doing good. Love and technology. You guys ought to get one of those computer chips shoved in your brain. And uh, and then, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What? Computer chips shoved in your brain? What? Yeah, we all got to get one of these. I have been dealing with, okay, so Saturday I lost my phone. Okay, little uh-huh. known event, no big deal. Earth didn't quit turning. Nobody cares. Honestly, I enjoyed the piece. <laughs> I mean, really, just didn't have the the emails. Didn't have it's not not the communication with the people, but there's a lot of other stuff, right? The notifications for bling 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 social platforms, whatever. And uh, and so I was like, I was kind of okay with it. I got my, I'll get my tablet when I get home. Well, transferring to get a new phone on a insurance plan. And then getting it, and then I have a loaner phone I'm trying to use. <laughs> this has been, I, I think we could have got Joe Biden to confess to the accident that his first wife died in before I can get this phone thing figured out. <laughs> and it's, I'm fighting, I'm fighting computer programming, guys. And this is what I don't like. We're all talking about rushing to AI, right? Oh, AI is the best. It's got all this cumulative knowledge and. You know, it's just going to say, you know, it's going to make the world a better place. I get it. Okay. I understand that portion of it. But the computer is only as smart as the person who programmed it and the person that's operating it and asking it certain questions, but it only knows certain paths. So when I go to do certain things, like I'm trying to pay for the deductible to get my phone shipped to me now on a Wednesday afternoon, um, they've now locked me out. The computer has locked me out since I used my credit card too many times in their system. I'm like, what? this is a thing? This is a thing? Like, I haven't even sent you guys money yet. Like, I don't even. And so <laughs> when, when everybody runs around going, you know, hey, you know, computers have made our lives cherry. It's, it's an awesome thing that computers have brought our worlds together. Now, great, great. Me and Josh are talking from two different states to another state on a radio station, which is amazing. And we love doing it and all that great stuff. Technology allows for that to happen. But me and Josh will tell you, and so will Bob in the studio, that this technology doesn't always work very well. <laughs> and we have to do little things to make it work. Um, and people want to run to computer program, and they want to they bioidentical their, you know, put their body into the $6 million man effect. I don't think we realize what we're asking for, because these things are not cool. I, I mean, I get computers are computers are computers. They do some neat things. But there are some basic life functions that they I just cannot see them accomplishing, even in even in my lifetime. I just don't see it d- well, happening. Well, Jim, I mean, this morning I went and got my Minnesota's driver's license. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, it was probably one of the best DMV experiences of my life. I, quite no. literally, I got there at 8 o'clock and I was out by 8.30. It was in and out, what? boom, bada bing. It was smooth. I mean, I, like, the DMV <sighs> has came a long way. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like, this was so easy. And so, mm-hmm. you know, here's the thing. <laughs> is like money, technology is a tool. Right. Okay, technology is a tool. Not tool tool in a bad way, like, hey, you're a tool. (laughs) That's right. It's a tool. 
Now, if you made your life dependent upon the tools to make your life easier, guess what happens? You Mm. crumble and die because those tools are not developed to run and operate your life. Those tools are made to help you facilitate your life in a uh, in a more ease of manner. So, technology mm-hmm. isn't the end all. Like I still like I still write blogs on notebooks. Like I will really? sit down and I will take a pen and paper, and that's how I will start a blog or or I'll write down the basic ideas. And the reason is is because there is this this flow of creativity that comes about with the right. mind and the body connection. Of writing hmm. things out. Wow. I like it. Well, yeah. And here's the thing is you don't get that with typing. Right. There is something uh, There is something like therapeutic or kinesthetic of, of writing it out, uh, of using I bought a, I bought a fountain pen. Um, I have a pocket fountain pen I use. Mm-hmm. And the only problem is I found out that fountain pens – the ink is different than what printer paper likes. And so when you write with it, it tends to like go out into the fibers. So the paper you're writing on is actually a big thing. But the fountain pen, it's a different drag than the ballpoint that we've all, we've all 100% of our life, we've all had the Bic pen, right, that's made in Europe. People don't realize that those pens are actually made in Europe. But um, those, those, that fluid, that, that gel that we're used to using – Mm-hmm. Well, when you're using with a with a an actual fountain pen, it drags, and so your strokes are different, your 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 movements are different. And I I like it, I enjoy using it, but most people don't even know what that is. Right now, I am writing with a a brute brass pen, and mm. so I typically I'm either buying um, high end fountain pens. So I, I have a hundred and fifty dollar pen, and I have a three hundred and fifty dollar pen. This brute right here is what I do most of my writing with. This is a $50 pen. Um, and I take a lot of um, a lot of joy in my pens because number one is I write a lot. So I journal. I, um, I write notes mm-hmm. daily. And I'm always losing pens. So I'm always going back and buying like the $6, $7 things of pens. And I go through them in like a month because I lose them all or they just run out of ink really fast. And so right. if you if you want a good quality pen and, and something with weight too, you want something with weight. Oh, yeah. Because that weight behind yeah. it really kind of helps accentuate your writing and, and your creativity. And this is just what I've noticed throughout the years because I'm a, I'm a prolific writer. I don't publish much anymore. Uh, but – I'm actually in the process of writing a book, Jim. This is going to be a fantastic uh-huh. book. It's going to be great. But um, I, I, I love like really high quality pens, and right. so it's kind of like one of my my I don't know ho- hobbies. I guess is right. I have some fountain pens, which I like fountain pens if you're journaling on rough paper. And rough paper, yeah. I mean like like an old school journal paper or something like that. Like None the, of this. The eight, Big eight Chief tablet. Stuff. Do right, they make right. Big Chief tablets anymore? Is I, that even I a no thing? Yeah. I don't know. Those things were awesome. Chief though, Tavern? They? Yeah. Huh? Those were the best. They the, the smell of that paper, kind of like the old memory. Uh, do you? Do you? Do you were. You're a little bit younger than I am. Do you have mimeographs? That purplish ink thing that kind of smelled like uh, ammonia. Did you have those in school? You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? No. But one second. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, mimeographs. So that had when you go, the teachers would you know print off a quiz, and then it would, everybody could. 
they could smell the paper. The paper was a little bit wet still, you know, from the mimeograph being a, and it's actually, that was the first quote unquote copier, um, you know, that they actually used back in the day, but no, 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 I get it. There's a, there's, <laughs> there's a, a thing, the big chief tablets and mimeographs. So if you guys ah. know the, if you guys are that age, mimeograph is a purplish ink thing. I don't, I don't ever understood the technology behind it. I, and I never got it, but anyway, I always thought it was cool. And by the way, Dr. Kirk Elliott, um, he is oh, yeah. slammed today. His uh, his assistant is out of the office and he's shorthanded. So he's uh, going to join us next week. I uh, just want right. to give everybody an update on that. But but everybody, if you're out there and I mean, we're going to just I'm just going to transition from this back to what we were just talking about, because I want to oh, talk sorry. about this for a second. But I want to yeah. I, I just want to say that if you are looking for a diversification of your investments, of your assets, Please reach out to Dr. Kirk Elliott and his team, getgoldtoday.com, getgoldtoday.com. That's 720-605-3900, and they will help you diversify your assets, whether you have 401ks, 403bs, SEPs, um, you have IRAs, you want to open an IRA, whatever it is, just give them a call and see what they can help you out and do, because we are coming into a very, very tumultuous time economically for this country and for the world. But Jim, back to this, and I know we're going to yeah. go to a break in about a minute. Um, yeah. You know, do, do you know the history of the word spell? Uh-uh. Well, the spell would be uh, magical words, right? So you have spiella, uh, spiella, which is uh, the Old Norse or Gothic spillion. Mm -hmm. Okay. Spillion, spellum, spejala. Um, this is to talk or tell, but also it derives from a Germanic source that represents these to mean, signify, explain, interpret, mm -hmm. as well as speak discourse to tell. But in a more esoteric sense, it means to enact. Okay. Mm. And this is important when we say the word spell, enact. So it's bringing into being. And if you mm -hmm. think about that, what, what what do we spell? We spell with symbols, right? These symbols have a, um, a, a meaning deep within our subconscious mind or what we would call our psyche. And these meanings are derived from various archetypes of the human mind. Mm -hmm. And so when we're spelling something, spelling a word, what we're actually doing is we're drawing out the expressive nature of our psyche, of our archetypes. And this is where it goes back into the magical context and sense where a witch or a sorcerer or a wizard would cast a spell. And so if you think that it has an energetic archetypical representation and think about uh, like archetypical, if you want to look at it in the neurological framework, think about it as a pattern of neurological firing is that you have trillions of neurons in your brain and one pattern of that three-dimensional firing, okay, represents right. an idea, a symbol, an archetype, a pictograph or something of that nature. And so right. as you put those together, they have an energetic context of the firing pattern of all these neurons coming together. So this is some deep stuff. We'll talk more about yeah. this. We'll come right back Resonance. with more Dark Delight Show right after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Back to the Dark Delight show. You know, going back into this, and Jim will be right back, but going back into this, when we talk about the word spell or even the word, because this is an, the word 
W-O-R-D is actually important when we start talking about the Bible because in the beginning was the Word. And so the Word, this comes from the Old English word or Proto-Germanic, Wurta, Wurta, or Wood, Wood. It's very similar to Wood, but there's Wood. And this means as well, speak or say. And so we have two words, spell and word, which are derived in the same type of context, but mean exactly the same thing, to enact. And in old esoteric teachings, and this is something I'm very familiar with, what these words really mean is to bring about within symbolism or vibration. Because enacting a symbol, bringing a symbol into existence, is the same thing as holding a resonant or vibrational state. Now, you're saying, like, what do you mean that the word's vibrating? Well, on the atomic scale, that's exactly what's happening. There's, there's oscillations occurring. And that, that symbol comes together in this form of a constructed oscillation. The same thing with a word. When you speak a word, that is producing oscillations in the air actually called a compression wave or a longitudinal wave that goes and vibrates the air around it. And that compression wave collapses by your ear and it produces vibrations within your eardrum, which vibrates it. And that produces electrical impulses that go into your brain. And then your brain utilizes those electrical impulses to interpret. And that brings about that neurological firing pattern. And so there's an equivalence of that vibrational pattern that's happening in the air from the spoken word that's correlated directly to a neurological firing pattern in your brain that has an electrical potency. Now, that's just fascinating, but that's just modern science telling you that, right? And so the same thing happens symbolically. When we read the word, it goes through different pathways. When we read the word, so if we take the word spell, for example, we read that word on a piece of paper. Now that is going through our optic nerve. What is happening right. is light is reflecting off of it. That light goes into the rods and the cones of your eyes. They oscillate due to the excitement from the photons. That sends an electrical impulse down your optic nerve to your cerebral cortex, which sees the image. That image then has an electrical um, equivalence of that same neurological firing pattern that brings up the idea, the structure, and all the access to the information in your subconscious mind pertaining to what that symbol represents. And so when we start thinking about things in this way, doesn't it begin to get fascinating to try to understand really what the ancient cultures and the, the occultists and the esotericists meant by casting a spell or speaking into existence, or by what the Bible meant in the beginning, there was the word. Yeah, the word. Hey, Josh, let me ask you a quick question. When we were talking about all the spells and or the words or the this is and that, wasn't it when they sit there and told us that you don't pronounce it this way, this is an adjective, this is a noun, isn't that them, weren't they misguiding us on actually how words should have been met, uh, used and so it kept us away from our resonance or our the power of what words really are. So th there is this conspiracy theory out there, Jim, that the English language as derived from the Germanic and Latin um, derivative um, mm -hmm. 
has been altered in a sense to be the inverse of the way that words were meant to be spoken. And if we look at the structure of how English grammar in context is done, it's different than almost every language on this planet and that Mm -hmm. it is actually structured in reverse. For instance, I mean, you know, you can take this in the context and and people can hate me for saying this, but if you start to research certain words in the English language, think about their dualistic meaning. For example, I'll I'll give you an example here. The word church. Do you know where the word Mm -hmm. church comes from, Jim? No, uh uh-uh. No. So it's Gaelic for Kirk, K-I-R-K. Now, in, right. in Gaelic, Celtic civilization, it, a kirk was the herded flock. The herded flock, the sheep. Oh, wow. And this word derived from the Greek goddess, an interpretation of the Greek goddess by the name of Circus. So Circus and kirk are very similar in context and d- derivation etymologically. And Circus, right. the Greek goddess, was this beautiful goddess that lived in a cave and she would lure men into the cave with her beauty and then devour their souls. That's where the word Great. church derives from etymologically. Well, how, wow. much th- how about this? In, in, in English language today, okay, the U.S. Navy has a, um, a bunch of U.S. Navy warships right yeah warships are utilized for what battle death and destruction warfare right right yeah what is the english word to give praise to god praise warship worship oh warship oh i see let let me ask you this an eagle an eagle hunts rabbits and mice right in the fields the eagle preys on them, doesn't it? Yeah. What is the one thing that most people do every night to God? Oh, they pray. Isn't it interesting? Now is that P-R-E-Y that, or P-R-A-Y? Is this well, going back to like they, they, and them, and them, there, and there, and Well, it, it, it's different- really, it's not the necessarily the spelling. It, it's the representative context of the vibrational pattern in the neurological firing of what it means and represents, because that has a direct influence on Mm -hmm. your subconscious mind, on your, your body itself. If words truly do have a a meaning and an emotional context. And and I believe that all words have a, a physical, a mental, an emotional and a spiritual context. Then when we look at the English language, what we begin to see is that there's this this dualistic meaning that kind of can take that context and change the inner energy structure. Because if I have this neurological firing pattern in my mind that sees U.S. Navy warships, and every time that I say the word, "Oh, I'm going to go," you know, give praise and worship to to God today, that firing pattern is actually occurring within you, which then brings about the of the feeling, the resonance within your body of that warfare or the prey. So we should, everything the government tells us to do, we should do exactly the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, think seriously, so. even from our education, I mean, we have been lied to about our history, our language, our church, our our ge- uh, geography, uh, the, the length of the globe has actually been here, whatever it is. I mean, you know, I mean, all these different things. I mean, they have not told us the truth about anything. 
I mean, seriously. And even when we're trying to find the truth, they tell us that we're not being truthful. And so that means they're even being more untruthful. I mean, is this what we're doing? Is this how this is all, this is all going down, that this was just a big trap to well, keep us uh, away how from this? how great we there, could be? There's, um, there, there's a book out there called Slaves by Law. And it's all about the magical word language, okay? Right. It's all about how words are utilized to manipulate you. So there's Black's Law Dictionary, which has definitions of words. These Mm -hmm. words are different than what you're taught in school or taught in society or cultural meaning. They have legal meaning. And Mm -hmm. so one thing that you have to realize about the world is the world is dictated by words. And these words have different meaning depending on the environment that you are in. And so when you're talking about law, it depends on what law you're talking about. Are you talking about constitutional law, law of the land? Are you talking about admiralty law, law of the water? Are you talking Mm -hmm. about um, a cultural word? Um, you know, the word, word, the one word that comes to mind is person, person, right. right? The word person. Now, if you look up legal definition of person. Oh, of person? I have Black yeah. Law's Dictionary right here on my desk. Oh, well, look at that. Why, why don't you look up the legal definition of person? All right. Uh, sorry about that, guys. I'm going to give you the Well, how about this? One U.S. Co- one USC Section 8. Person, human being, child, and an individual, also including born alive infant. In determining the act of Congress or any ruling, regulation, or interpretation of the various administration bureaus and agencies of the United States, the word person, human being, child, individual shall include every infant member of the species Homo sapiens who is born alive at any stage of development. Section B. Using the section, the term born alive with respect to the member of the species of Homo sapiens means to the complete expulsion and extraction from his or her mumber, mother of that member at any stage of development who, after expulsion or extraction, breathes or has a beating heart, pulsation of the umbilical cord, or definite movement of voluntary muscles, regardless of whether that umbilical cord has been cut, regardless of whether that expulsion or extraction occurs as a result of natural or induced laser, cesarean section, or induced abortion. Nothing in this section shall be construed to affirm, deny, expand, or contract any legal status or legal right applicable to any member of the species of Homo sapiens and any other part being born alive as defined in this section. But now, so you, if you take the Le- Black's Law Dictionary yeah. person, what do you get? Here we go. A man considered according to the rank he holds in society with all the right to which the place he holds entitles him and the duties which it imposes. The word in its natural and uh, usual significant uh, uh, includes women as well as men, Commonwealth versus Walski, people versus R. Um, completely two different words. Well, I got another version for that when we come back. We'll be right back with more Dark right. Delight Show. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right, back to the Dark Delight Show. So, so this is from Cornell's Legal Dictionary. A legal person is a human or non-human legal entity 
that is treated as a person for legal purposes. A legal person is capable of engaging in all usual legal business that a real person can participate in, such as suing, being sued, owning property, and entering into contracts. The concept of legal personhood is especially popular in business law, where business organizations mm. like corporations, partnerships, and limited liability companies possess legal personhood. As a result, these statutory created entities are able to be treated as legally distinct from their shareholders and officers. Legal personhood of legal entities is also understood to afford constitutional rights to these entities, mm. including due process mm. and equal protection aspects of the 14th amendment wow now that's interesting <sighs> because if you go to the fourth amendment of the united states constitution it says all people are to be secure in their person which is their legal entity but the 14th amendment says what no state shall deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection nope. of the law all persons born or naturalized in the united states it starts off, Section 1, 14th Amendment. All oh, persons. I was, I was reading the summary of it, sorry. Apologize. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and any and, and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of laws. So let's break this down. The Fourth Amendment mm -hmm. defines person, right, as a right. legally contracted entity. This is, this is your legal contract that you have. So this is why any people are to be secure in their person. Person and people are not the same thing. It's not talking right. about your human homo sapien, your humanhood. It's talking about your legal person. So the 14th Amendment, as defined by Cornell Law, by the U.S. Code, is representative in the 14th Amendment, which is talking about a legal person. So the 14th Amendment states, all persons born or naturalized in the United States, this is talking about all legal entities right. born or naturalized in the United States, Okay, so think about this. Legal entities are subject to the jurisdiction thereof, are citizens of the United States. So it defines a citizen of the United States in the 14th Amendment as a legally born entity, a business, a corporation, a trust. So a citizen therefore becomes a legal entity in the United States. Now, if you go into the next part, no state shall make or enforce any laws which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens. Wow. Wait a minute. I thought we had rights, liberties, and freedoms. Well. Why, why are we talking about privileges and immunities? Why do we have this complete state of existence in the United States since about 1871, the current date, to where we need driver's licenses, where we need licenses to practice certain professions, where we have to pay taxes on everything that we do? Because you are not... A person as defined as a homo sapien or human being, a free being, you are a legal person as defined by a corporation or entity. This is why you are bonded when you are born with a birth certificate. That's what it says right here in Black Laws Dictionary. It says that. It says that very thing. That the word is of natural use, significance, or sorry, the, the, it, it's, the, uh, it's this part right here. Uh, I just lost it. The term is also included in artificial beings as corporations. 
term may include artificial beings as corporations. That's the definition, 1951's Black Laws Dictionary, that it, that's actually a real thing. So you are, I mean, you are, they, the corporation has the same thing as a person. So we are, a per, we, uh, we as a person are a corporation. So everybody, when they talk about secure party creditor, about the Corporation of America, that we're all assets and entities, that that's actually true. And even in our legal definition, it's, it is that way. So who controls mm-hmm. your fictitious? If not you, then who does? It's a big mm. question. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. and so this is what I'm trying to say here is that words have meaning. And the meaning is dependent upon the context or the domain of which they are spoken. And so in legality, in constitutional law, in contract law, in business law, in law of the land versus law of the water, all these things mean different things. And this is the, the whole premise of the book Sla- uh, uh, Slaves by Law. And wow. you know, going into the whole word thing is this has incredible context and meaning in the sense of your mental freedom. The abridged mental freedom that we have, because and when liberty, we, what's that? M- mental freedom is liberty, right? The ability to do as I think. That's right. Well, you know, how about this? Let me, wh- how do you define freedom, Jim? Freedom is the is the. Is the I always say the freedom is the bo- uh, movement of the body, is the movement of the body, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And I always think of liberty as the freedom of the mind, the mind to do as it will, and then the body is, it follows that liberty. I I love asking people this question because, you know, you hear so many different answers of what people believe the word freedom actually means, but Mm -hmm. nobody really understands where this word comes from. Right. In the old Germanic context, freedom, veridum, veridum is the word. Right. Okay. And this means power of self-determination. The state of free will and deliverance. So doesn't necessarily mean what people thought it meant, does it? Power of self-determination. Now, let me ask you this. If it's the power of self-determination to where you get to determine your fate through your own power, what does that entitle? Say that. I missed that last part again. Say that again. If you have the ability uh-huh. to determine your own fate, right? What does that require inside the individual? Um, the self-discerning and uh, self-responsibility, meaning you take personal you take responsibility, self-discernment, yeah. and discipline. Yep. So those three things are what freedom actually is: the state of free being, liberty, self-determination, absence of restraint. The opposite of slavery. And discipline over the mind. You have mm-hmm. to have discipline over the mind in order to be self-deterministic. Yeah, yeah, you have to. That's good. And, and so discipline equals freedom. And so let me ask you this. How many people out there have discipline, right? The restrictions within society put upon them by external means. That is a legal contracted person. Right. The discipline comes externally, which means that you no longer have freedom of self-determination. You have privileges and choices. Hence the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. Wow. Mind-blowing, yeah, the, the, 
It is. And you, I mean, the word freedom. And this is Black Law's dictionary version. So this is uh, the power of acting in the character of a moral personality according to the dictates of the will without other check, hindrance, or prohibition than such as may be imposed by just and necessary laws and the duties of social life. Wow. It's pretty pretty profound, really, if you think about it. It's a lot of responsibility. Maybe that's it why is. people freak out when I tell them we don't need laws. Because <laughs> they can't imagine actually making decisions for themselves because they're that weak. Isn't that what it is? It's a, it's a sign of weakness that you don't have self-discerning, that you can manage yourself without having a government tell you how to to live your dick, live your life. Right. So we yeah. give away freedom for safety. Well, how about this? Is that authoritarian favoring imposed order over freedom? Think about that. What were we just talking about with freedom? Right. Right. Dictatorial. It's so oxithoritative is kind of oxithoritative. is kind of where this comes in medieval Latin. Mm-hmm. So having due authority entitled to credence or obedience. So wow. this word, authoritative, authoritarian, is the external restrictions put on to freedom, individualized freedom. So <clears throat> you can look at authoritarian is the external powers imposed on self-determination and free will. Right. And what did I just say? If you don't have the discipline of your own mind... Somebody else will provide that discipline for you, and that's what laws are in the construct of today's society. Yep. And well, so you, any we law need a law for put cat, you know, cats on leashes, right? We need it because you know people don't know how to handle their cats, so we got to handle their cats for them. But you, what did so. you just say? People don't know how to handle their cats and their dogs. What does that mean? They lack the discipline necessary. For that task, so therefore the state, the authoritarian, steps in to restrict that freedom. Sounds like fun. Slaves no. by law. And we, we built these cages for ourselves, right? We did it all to ourselves. Free man, a person in the possession and enjoyment of all the civil and political rights according to the people under a free government. In Roman law, it denotes one who was either born free or emancipated and was the opposite of slave. Wow. There's a lot in here. I mean, I don't I, I mean, I like reading the Black Laws dictionary because there's a there's all these uh, uh, there's a def- definition, but then they'll put case law and they'll even do an uh, an explanation of kind of giving history of that word. It's pretty neat. I mean, I don't, and I know that's not not like what you think of what you want to go out and read a dictionary. But there are words in here, just like you said, freedom or free man. This is just a free man definition. We should be we should be using these words in the right way. But it, okay, I want to ask you a quick question right before we go to break. I want to ask this, and I want you to come back and answer it. Um, what is this whole thing with the um, the syncopation or the um, rhythm of words, meaning that they have values, and then if you put these words in the right way, it will harmonize and you will always win the argument. Have you heard of this before? Um, are you talking about like neuro-linguistic programming? I think it's, it's that, yeah, how you put the words together according to the values of the words, according to numbers. And if you use these number patterns, you'll always win the argument. That's what legalese is really about. But we'll, we'll talk about it in the commercial when we come back. Okay, that works for me. Let's yeah. do that. All right. All right, we'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show right after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. 
All right, Jim Price. Final yes, segment. What was the Sorry question again? Oh, you got to you got so, to ask me the question. Okay, so I heard I, I heard the guy talking about this, and it made a lot of sense. And I don't remember the name of how this works, but basically, it's the legal ease, or if you put together a legal argument using this rhythm of value of those numbers when they add up in a certain no matter what you're doing you'll because it is the right algorithm or the right mathematical problem to create the right argument and no matter what the Mm. words say the argument will always be one with the value of the words does that make sense it it, it does but um I think what they're talking about I can't remember what it was. So there's been quite a few studies out there on symmetry and uh, that people are typically attracted to symmetrical faces, right? Right. So it doesn't matter what really the person's uh, looks are. But as long as they have a certain level of facial symmetry, we unconsciously look at that person as attractive. Well, the same Mm -hmm. thing goes in the sense of the context of how words flow. This is what makes a good orator, a good storyteller. So Mm -hmm. Rudlard Kipling, the author of the, uh, the jungle book and many others said drugs or words are the most powerful drug known to humanity. And I am but a master of words. And so what happens here is that there's a, symmetry that is portrayed Mm -hmm. in speaking. It becomes an art form. It becomes a music to somebody's ears in the sense of how the tone of your voice is pitched, of how the spacing between the words is drawn Mm -hmm. and put out there to the world, okay? And how that resonant structure, that vibrational wave appears to another person is that there can be a certain level of symmetry to that. And so what you find is that in, in court of laws or in debates or any type of situation where speaking is the primary function, the people that do better are the ones that are in a syncopative rhythm, ones that have a, a, a melody to how they mm-hmm. talk and communicate. Right? right. If you have two yeah. lawyers going back and forth and you have one that jumbling over his and judge, I, I just can't find it. Uh, give me a second. Hey, hey. that person's not mm-hmm. going to win the case nine times out of 10. But if you have the other yeah. one who just comes out there and judge, well, look, this is my case and this is how this is going to flow. And, and see, this is what my client did. And this is why this is wrong. Is he have a certain flow to it? He is most likely going to win the case. The same thing goes and, and think about it in this context of music is if you have a piece of music that is dissonant to your ears, screeching and the, the timing is all varied and all over the place and the melody is horrific, nobody's right. going to listen to it. Nobody's going to vibe with it. But if you have a piece of music like Moonlight Sonata, you mm. flow with it. And so right. that is the context of what you're talking about is that people who have this, this either self-created natural rhythmic flow of words like you and I Mm -hmm. or people who develop it on their own um, versus people who don't. And and I I know you've interviewed people. I know you've interviewed people, Jim, that they get on there and they might think they are the most brilliant (laughs) person in the world. Oh, yeah. But they have no way. They do not know how Mm. to talk to other people. 
They don't right. know how to communicate with an audience. They don't know how to express themselves correctly. And they're like, well, you know, Jim, it, it's great. And I did a lot of this research and it was really good. And, 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 you know, they use um and 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 and, and what and all these other yes. adjectives <laughs> all the time as filler for their rhythm. Right. And, yes. and that's, that's their yeah, answer to a, yes, a three minute yes, question. Yes. Yes. No, that's not the answer, sir. I need something more than yes. Like that doesn't make any sense. But, that's but like the lowest level is an vibration. Speaking yeah. is an art form. Speaking is an art form. It's a creative I, art form. One of the things I do quite often is I will actually go in and make sure when I'm spelling or writing out things or even in my regular language, I try not to use conjunctions. I don't use don't. I say do not. I, I try to use the actual words in the form that they were created. So I'm not don't going into these, you know, well, if you know, I kind of whatever, you know, those things. And it really it derails the conversation. So I try to say everything out and I try to spell everything out. And that to me, I think has actually been a very good tool for me, uh, especially with speaking and also with writing. Hmm. Yeah. No conjunctions. Isn't that what those are called? Conjunctions when you put the little do not and put it together and say don't. Right. So one thing that I do is if if I'm writing a book, if I'm writing a blog, I always Mm -hmm. uh, remove conjunctions. And then if I'm speaking in a uh, a very professional manner, I I remove conjunctions as well. I I stay away from the don'ts, the can'ts, um, and and I in the I'ms. Right. I do that because you you want to number one, you want to authenticate your words, and number Mm -hmm. two, you want to you want to be able to have this flow. Uh, and, and that's what I call it. So uh, I was actually learning about this last night. I didn't realize that Napoleon Hill had actually discussed this in Think and Grow Rich in the sense really? of a superpower that some men have of where they they hone in on the creative nature of their own mind, of the the God within, if you want to look at it like that, kind of how Napoleon Hill discussed it, to where mm-hmm. when you close your eyes – when you speak, you're drawing that information from a divine source. Channeling. And so, yeah, well, right. not channeling, but I, I look at it as that you're, you're contemplative and more thorough on your thoughts. You're more organized. It's like, right. it's like opening the book of your mind and being able to see in it and understand what you're saying before you say it. And so sometimes like on this radio show or on my podcast or on Zooms, I will just close my eyes on a specific topic because that helps me recollect that in my memory. That helps me go Mm -hmm. back and pull that information to where it just goes into this flow. And it's it's almost like the flow of words that are coming out of me. I've learned it. I know it. But I haven't touched it in a decade and and they just begin to flow out and they they flow out in this very symbiotic way. It's very rhythmic, it's very structured, and it's highly coherent. Right. And like I sit there and I'm taking notes of the same things I'm saying. I'm like, man, I forgot all about this. I'm going to have to research this topic more while it's coming out of me. Like, like this topic right, right here, the, 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 the special meaning behind words and spells, what spells really mean magically. I've written multiple blogs on this, but mm-hmm. I haven't touched it in probably over five years. And so right now I, I close my eyes and this information just comes from my subconscious mind into my conscious mind and I allow it to just flow naturally. And I mean, this I could turn this in into an eight-hour presentation, an eight-hour conversation simply on 
symbolism, words, archetypes, subtle energy fields, neurological firing patterns, um, uh, the, the sound vibration and waves of how words are translated and interpreted through the body, what all that context means for who you are, how it has emotional effects on your mind, on your decisions, on your thoughts, how this is being utilized today in society to manipulate you, especially through social media. I mean, I, I could sit here and just go on forever and ever and ever about this topic. It's something right. that I think it is incredibly important that people need to know because the moment you realize that your mind can be influenced by other people simply by their words, simply by how they present their words. Right. There's a great well, TED it's a, talk. Well, it's not that the words have meanings, right? We well, say, that's say right. that all the time. Words have meanings. There's a meanings great and, TED and Talk out know. there. I, I forget the name of who the guy was, but he's he's um, a psychologist, and he goes out there and he gives a 15-minute presentation, right? And all he right. does is he focuses, em, embellishes words, he focuses on tone, rhythm, and timing, okay? Right. And at the end of the 15-minute talk, everybody just begins clapping, and people are like, oh my God, that was amazing. And he goes, you know what was the amazing thing about that is I said nothing of relevance, I didn't state a postulate. I didn't prove anything. I didn't give you any information. I simply just talked and filled the air with nothing but meaningless words for 15 minutes. But you guys all thought I said something spectacular. And right. that's not because of the words that were said, but because how they were said, how they were spoken. And see, wow. he tricked their brains into believing that he was magical, that he was profound, when in actuality... He was a magician of words. Yeah, see, that's exactly what I was referring to. And there's a whole there's a whole science behind the, like I said, the values of the letters, the values of the words, the placements of the words. And once you figure out that, what, what do you call it, syncopation? Is that right? Is when mm -hmm. it's in a rhythmic effect. It can be amazing. That's what Obama did to us. He was a good wordsmith. All right, guys. Much love, respect. God That's bless it. you guys. You take care. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a good day.